just thank you for this time, God, to share this word with these, your people, God. I just honor you on this day. Thank you for the love that you have shown us. Thank you for being a great God. Thank you for being a good and merciful God. We love you. We ask all these things, God, in the precious Son, Jesus' name. Thank God and amen. So good morning, everyone. Good morning, everybody. It's truly it's a blessing and a privilege to be standing before you again in the house of the Lord one more time. Amen. Truly, the Lord has been good to each and every one of us, and we're just so thankful to uh, be able to share once again. Uh, good to see everybody today. Good to see everybody. Hope everybody had a good week. So we're just going to go in and jump right on in and in our text our lesson text today will be coming out of Matthew chapter 10 verses 11 through 15 Matthew 10 11 through 15 and while you're turning turning there last week we did um, uh, Pastor Joplin brought the message out of Matthew 10 actually verses 1 through 11 it was talking about the disciples and how they've been commissioned by Jesus uh, to go out into the towns and to the villages. And we're just going to continue in that theme on today in verses uh, 11 through 15. And we're going to look at a few verses there. When you have it, can you stand for the reading of God's word? I'll be reading that out of the ESV, but you can feel free to follow along in whatever version or translation that you have. Verse 11 of Matthew 10 says, And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not, Worthy, let your peace return to you. Verse 14, and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. That's verse 15. And just as a subject, I want to use is choosing Christ. I want to talk about choosing Christ. You may be seated. Choosing Christ, and we're going to look at a couple of applications of that, namely the reward for receiving Christ and the consequences for rejecting Christ. So just as a backdrop, with the disciples, they are going to travel from town to town as representatives of Jesus preaching the good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is here now. That this is the kingdom that is now at hand. And to prove that they are apostles, or in the Greek is apostolos, is a person sent. To prove that they are sent by Jesus, they are going to be able to heal diseases and cast out demons, just as Jesus did. Jesus gave them power over unclean spirits and heal and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and diseases because they were sent out by Jesus. Jesus not only calls and commissions the disciples, he also gives them power to do what he called them to do as sent out ones. 
So the disciples had both the message to preach and the power to display, and they will be representatives to the people of Israel. Verse 11, 12, and 13 deals with them going through the towns and going through the villages. Jesus says, find out who is worthy. Well, we are all unworthy. None of us are worthy. There's nothing special about any of us. I know we look good today. You're dressed up, got to church, drive nice cars, but there's nothing special about us. When Jesus is talking about worthy, it's important for us to know that we are all unworthy. What he means is that this is not a certain value placed on our head. This doesn't imply a certain value, but rather those who are ready to repent and believe the message of Christ. The apostles are to find out who will receive them. How are they going to know that? Jesus says that when you enter the house, greet it. You're going to find, they're going to be receptive of you coming in. This is how you're going to know. And back then, hospitality was a big deal. And most people during that time welcomed people into their home that needed a place to stay. Ain't that something? Think about how we behave nowadays. Man, you got COVID and a bunch of other stuff. Don't come up in my house. Even, even without COVID, leave your shoes at the door. Oh, we got rules and regulations before people even enter our house. But back then, hospitality was a big deal. They gave people that needed it a place to stay. So the disciples were going into the towns, going into the villages, going door to door. But what risk are we willing to take to go door to door, house to house, go into the villages and the headway, hedgeways and the byways, highways and this, that and other to dispense the gospel just as the disciples did. They were going to take a huge risk. Jesus told them, you are going to be my apostles. You're going to be witnesses of me. You're going to be martyred. For my faith, you're going to be persecuted for believing in me. They had to choose and they chose to be obedient to the Lord, to be sent out by him. Jesus is telling the disciples that they are the ones who will be given the greater gift. They will be giving the greater gift by allowing others to host them. So by them going into people's homes. They are going to be giving that home the gospel. They are going to be bringing health to the sick in that home. They'll be able to raise the dead and drive out demons in that home. They had the power of Christ in their house if they were willing to be receptive, to receive if the household is worthy. Apparently, Jesus saying if, some, the, if the household is worthy in verse 13, apparently some wasn't worthy. Some households were not or would not be. So if we back up a little bit to Matthew 10, in Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6, it says Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only, verse 6, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. The Jews, he's, this is what he's talking about. Although they were heavily religious with no relationship with God, they rejected Jesus. 
they failed, talking about the Jews, they failed in, Jesus failed in their eyes to do what they expected their Messiah to do, which is to destroy evil and to make Israel the eternal kingdom, make them the supreme nation in the world. So the Jewish rejected, the Messiah rejected Jesus, rejected the message because it didn't line up with what they wanted. Some of them may or may not receive these disciples going into the villages and into the towns. So Jesus is telling them, to his disciples, don't waste time on those people who are unwelcoming and who are not ready to receive the good news of the gospel. And so by worthy, Jesus means that those who receive the message of the disciples about the coming of the kingdom of heaven, in receiving Jesus' representatives, they will be receiving Jesus. Also in verse 13, Jesus said, let your peace come upon it. So those who did receive the disciples and his message can expect to be blessed. Those who hosted the apostles would enjoy that peace during their stay. The disciples had the authority to give peace upon a place and remove it. When they came into the place, there was peace. But when they, if you didn't receive, they took the peace back. Peace it was a blessing. It was the favor of the Lord. And if the blessing finds no worthy recipient, it falls back on those who gave it. This is why Jesus said, let your peace return to you. You can let it abide while you're there. But if they're not receptive, let it return to you. Hmm. In Acts 13, this is what Paul and Barnabas did. Verse 50 in Acts chapter 13 says, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But 51 says, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. So those who Paul and Barnabas gave peace to would not have peace. So the peace of the Lord fell back on the two men, Paul and Barnabas. They were good. But because they were rejected where they were, yeah. their peace returned to them. And they were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Where the disciples were received with joy, they should stay and teach. If they are welcome, stay there. If not, man, y'all can ride out. Man, because they ain't pay no attention to, to y'all. No way. I'm going to handle them later. We're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. But where their message was rejected, they had no further responsibility. Verse 14 says, and if anyone will not receive you or listen to you, shake off the dust from your feet. When you leave that house or town, those places refused that refused they could expect to be treated as the Gentile cities and such they would be in danger of judgment. Not the disciples judgment, judgment from God. Jesus instruction to shake the dust off of their feet reminds them that or even reminds us. That we are only responsible for our obedience to God, not for the results of that obedience. Amen. We're not called to be the salvation police, yeah. you know, get badges, you know, like the ushers, you know, house arrests and have, you know, like salvation anklets on people's legs, <laughs> policing what they do and what they say. We're not called to beat the gospel and beat righteousness over the heads or into the hearts 
of unbelievers, but we are called to work. We are called to obedience. And it is God that ultimately does the work that we can't do. We can't save anybody. The Lord has to do the work on the heart. First Corinthians three, verse six and seven says what Paul was saying. I planted Apollos watered, but who gave the growth? God gave the growth. Verse seven, he says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. We are responsible for work and obedience to God. God has to do the work on the heart. We're talking about receiving Christ. Receiving. What does it mean to receive Christ? What is the reward for receiving Christ? Well, off the bat, salvation. Acts 4 and 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is one of the rewards for receiving Christ. Peace and blessings is also another reward for, see, for receiving Christ. Philippians 4 and 6, and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. This is not the peace that the world can give. This is internal. This is spiritual peace in your mind and in your body and in your spirit. Salvation, peace and blessings, eternal life. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. We would have eternal life as a result of receiving Christ. Here are our rewards. Sounds great. We're good. Oh, now it gets a little dark. Jesus now gets into the consequences of rejection. And this is the, just the last verse in 15 when he says, truly, I say to you, it would be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than it was for that town. That was some heavy language. That's some hard, hidden language, especially if you know anything about what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. But before we get into that, back up to verse 11, when Jesus was talking about find out who is worthy in that town, when he was saying who is worthy, you remember we just, just a brief recap, that didn't have anything to do with value, then it had to do with receptivity whether you're willing to receive and have a heart of repentance. Well, in Genesis 18, 23 through 33, it talks about Abraham interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. And you all remember the story. If you don't, Genesis 18, I would encourage you to read it. It's, it's, it's you know, this, the Bible also has like a lot of novel stuff. Probably some of the stuff that you get in sitcoms and some TV probably came out of the Bible. It's some really juicy stuff in the Bible. Sodom and Gomorrah, it, that gets into Abraham literally having a conversation with God about sparing a city. Yeah. And he was talking through, Lord, would you, would you destroy it for 50? Yeah. Then he went down to 45. Wow. Then he went to 40. Then he went to 30. I'm, I'm blown away at just the conversation, period, yeah. for the simple fact that you are literally having a conversation, <laughs> you're having a conversation with God. He's all powerful. He's the omniscient. He's the omnipotent. He's actually entertaining your, entertaining your conversation. All right, Abraham. Abraham said, has it, gets down to 10. God says, for the sake of 10, I would not destroy it. But the Lord destroyed it. He destroyed it with sulfur and fire because he couldn't find anyone righteous. 
worthy. There was no righteousness or anything worthy in that city. Nothing in that city was worth saving. The Bible is very clear that sexual sin between men and women and homosexual behavior in particular was the outward sin which they were destroyed. Outward, what people could see. But the inward, the sin under the sin was pride. Unbelief. The sin is nothing to be proud of. It's nothing to stick our chest out about, regardless of what it is. This is not some kind of bash on people's sin. It's beyond that. If you are pride in your sin and there's unbelief, you're not in need of a savior. You don't feel like you need a savior. So therefore, I don't care about this Jesus or this cross or this blood that's supposed to cover me in my sin. I'm not even trying to receive that because I don't need any of that. That's for these church people. That's for these people that don't have hope. Y'all see how backwards that is? See, I don't see my need. I don't see my own depravity. I don't see my need for a savior. But we are going to be judged by God. He says, be more bearable in the day of judgment than the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. What he's talking about is the great white throne judgment. Now, I don't want to get too deep off in Revelation, but just as a backdrop, in Revelation 20, verse 12, in John's revelation, he says, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in those books. Those given the severest punishment will be those who've been the most religious and outwardly upright. So back to the Jews. The Jews were haughty in their belief and in their religious practice and everything that they felt that they had down packed didn't need a savior. Matter of fact, Jesus, you can't be our Messiah. You don't even line up to what we want anyway. So those who thought they were eternally safe because they kept the religious traditions of their forefathers, this is who Jesus is talking about, the unbelieving. So you got the great right throne judgment. Don't get it uh, twisted because there's the judgment seat of Christ, which is what you probably known as the bema seat of Christ. Then there is the great right throne judgment. The judgment seat of Christ is for believers to receive our eternal reward. But the great white throne judgment is for, it's, to, it's like, this is like the final curtain call. This is like the final, this is what um, is talked about in Revelation as the second death. During that time, you have those as the judgment seat, as believers, we're going to receive our reward. But those that choose to, to not believe, that reject the gospel, they will be cast eternally into the lake of fire. So, because you rejected him. This is what Jesus is talking about in 15. Because you rejected him. You rejected God's son. You rejected the message of the gospel. You've rejected the messengers, the disciples. You've literally rejected his way of escape. Period. I don't understand how that is so, why is that so complicated? Why would God just judge me? 
Why does it, man, why does it have to come down to judgment? Oh, man, these Christians, they always talk about judgment, judgment. Forget about me right now. Forget about any preacher or any pastor right now. Think about the words of God. Think about what Jesus is saying. Forget about Fred. Fred is flawed. Fred has sinned, just like any other preacher has sinned, just like anybody else. Romans 3.23 is very clear about that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So forget about me for a minute and think about what Jesus is saying as it relates to rejecting him. Jesus is telling us that it's much worse not to believe the gospel than to imitate the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah who was destroyed by sulfur and fire. They were proud in their sin. Jesus says that pride and that unbelief is worse than the actual sin. Do you all follow, are you all following what I'm saying? Jesus is saying that is worse than the actual sin committed. If you're talking about homosexuality, I don't care if you could be a pathological liar. It doesn't matter. Whatever that sin is, Jesus is saying the pride in that sin the unbelief is much worse. Rejecting Christ is much worse. It's a sin greater than the sins committed by the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. So the unbelievers destroyed at Sodom would have a better judgment at the great white throne judgment than the people in that town that rejected Jesus, that rejected the disciples. What I understand is that when it comes down to Jesus' judgment, we got a problem with it. But when it comes down to consequences in this life, we understand. We understand the laws governing unemployment. If you are late, if you are no call, no show, you will be fired after so many times. Anybody ever experienced rush hour traffic? There's a reason you're in rush hour traffic. Everybody that's in rush hour traffic got somewhere to be. And some of them can't be late no more. They are going somewhere because they understand the consequences of not being on time again or not being present or doing, handling their responsibilities. Employment. We understand the laws governing driving. If I'm speeding, I might get a ticket. Everybody <laughs> know you've been speeding. You ever come up on that side and you get on your brakes real quick? <laughs> because there is a sign there telling me um, there is a law that says I'm only supposed to be going this fast. I'm actually going this fast. Oh, I better break that before I get caught. Before I have to deal with the punishment, the judgment, 201 Poplar, long lines, suspended license. If I'm driving drunk, whoa, it's all over. I don't want to be caught driving drunk because I know the consequences yeah. to come with driving drunk, intoxicated on a public street. They might put me in the jail. I don't want to deal with that. But I do understand that is the law. And that is the judgment for my actions. The Lord also has judgment for our actions. Not choosing him. Amen. This is why he's saying you have a better chance of judgment due to the pride. No, the Sodom. Sodom has a better chance because of the unbelief, due to your own pride and unbelief. Yeah. 
So whenever I hear somebody, somebody say, who do you think you are? You can't judge me. Man, listen, that is the la- I am the last person that should be on your mind as it relates to judgment. You got that right. You can't judge. You got that right. You can't judge me, Fred. Hey, I'm not. That is the last thing that should be on your mind. I don't have a hell or heaven to put you in, but he does. If y'all ever encounter that, y'all just tell them, you're telling the truth. You ever experience someone that's trying to, you know, and, and it's not, we as believers, we have what is called the word to judge people against, we are all held accountable to that as well. But as a Christian believer, seeing somebody else out of line, lovingly, we can pull them to the side, talk to them or whatnot. But if you ever ever come up on those that's saying, hey, you can't judge me, who do you think you are? Just tell them they're telling the truth. (laughs) Yes, tell them they're telling the truth. As Jesus says, they are rejecting me, not you. So as we close, we must all decide within our hearts to accept the messenger and the gospel of Christ or reject it. God has given us the power to choose. God, and we have time. We're still alive. Oh, man. I can't even imagine the millions now that have died. People are dying and leaving here every day by the thousands, a minute, an hour. Did they receive Christ? We don't know. I used to always say sometimes that uh, what do you do when you're standing before you just in a blink of eye? Paul was said to be absent uh, from the body, to be present from the Lord. What that means is that within an instant you close your eyes in this life, you appear before the Lord. What do you do when you find out you were wrong? There are no do-overs. I know most cars now, they have a reverse. You can go in reverse. <laughs> you can go and drive like six, ten times. They got ten-speed transmissions now. But you can only go in reverse once. There's no reverse there. So we must all decide within our hearts whether we're going to accept. And by accepting, we not only receive the peace and blessings of God, but we also are commissioned to spread the gospel just as the disciples did. But whether we choose to receive or reject we will all appear before the Lord in judgment. As believers, you know you would have your eternal reward. You can be secured in your salvation knowing within my heart I know I'm saved. You know, you don't have to get saved every every Sunday. You know? But you can be secure in your salvation. Whether you choose to accept the Lord or not, it doesn't matter. We're still going to stand before the Lord in judgment. As I mentioned earlier in Romans 3.23, all have sinned. But in 24 and 25, verse 24 of Romans says, and are justified. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25 says, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance. He had passed over former sins. We understand forbearance. It puts student loans in forbearance, house payment in forbearance. Why? You couldn't pay. Neither could I. Don't feel bad. The debt we could not pay. Jesus says, I paid it. So Jesus says, I'll pay off that debt. That debt of sin that you can't pay. I'll pay it off completely. 
the choice for us is, do you accept that or would you accept that or in your pride, turn that down? Who would turn down no more student loan debt? Who would turn down? See, we wouldn't turn it down in this life. You wouldn't turn down student loans being forgiven forever. You wouldn't turn down your mortgage to $300,000 and you behind. Somebody showing up said, I pay it off. Huh? Who wouldn't take that deal? We understand that in this life, but in the life hereafter, Jesus is saying, I've satisfied that debt. God has made a way of escape for us through his son, Jesus. He is the payment to satisfy the debt. Would you choose to accept it? That is the question. To receive the gospel unto salvation. Amen. Amen. And God, I thank you. I thank you for this word, God. I thank you for all the hearts here that's represented, God. And I just pray that those that even listen online, that you would break into pieces, God, the stony heart, God, the hardness of the heart, the pride, unbelief, any amount of rejection, any amount of uh, just not seeing you for who you really are, the ultimate Savior and Redeemer for all mankind. I just pray, God, that you would prick those hearts, prick them through the word. God, you do the work on the heart to do the work that we can't do and that we can't see. I thank you, God, for everyone under the sound of my voice, God. I just pray that as we continue to live our lives on purpose for you, God, that we would be intentional about spreading this word and spread, spreading this gospel unto salvation to save the lost God. Our days are truly numbered. No man knows the day or the hour when you will come for us, but we want to be ready. God, you said even in your word that you're not for anyone to perish, but all that would have an opportunity at eternal life with you. Help us, God, to be intentional to seek to save the lost. It's for your kingdom, for your righteousness, and for your name's sake. We love you and ask all these things in your precious son Jesus' name. Thank God and amen.